So let's start a new Mishnah on Daphne Heim. And I also want to mention again that we are still doing this Dili Nishmas when your dad. Okay. So the Gemara teaches on Daftadi, hey, we're starting a new Mishnah, okay? And we're finished with the sugya about the astronomy lesson that we had yesterday. Right? So we're continuing the idea of what the difference is and talking about Pesach Sheni as we were before. What's the difference between Pesach Rishon and Pesach Sheni? The common Pesach that you bring on the first, first Yom Tif, uh, on Nisan on the 15th or on Yer 15th. Harishan Asr Babal Yerah Babal Yerah When it comes to the first Pesach, you have a prohibition to not have any chametz or anywhere in your house or anywhere be seen anywhere in your house or to be found anywhere in your house, as we learned at the beginning of the Masechah. And the second Pesach, the only prohibition is to, to not eat it at the same table, but you're allowed to have it in your house, the chametz in your house. The first holiday, it is necessary to say halal as you are seeing halal over the food. The second one, you don't have to sing halal over the food. But both of them, you were required to sing halal at the time of the making of it. In other words, the shechting and the cooking. And you eat it roasted. And you eat it roasted on top of matzah and maror, together with matzah and maror, not on top of literally. And it pushes off the shabbos. Okay? The, the shechting of the animal. We learned in Abraissa. It says in Abraissa, it says that it should be done with all of the laws of the carbon Pesach, shall you do it when it's Pesach Sheni as well. It says when it comes to the mitzvah, the Pasuk is not telling you about every single law of matzah. It's only telling you about the law, sorry, the law of, of Pesach, carbon Pesach. Rather, it is telling you about the laws that are related to the carbon Pesach itself. That's exactly the same mitzvah. And the second Pesach is the first. Mitzvah sha'al gufa minayin. How do you know the mitzvahs that are not, that are about it, but not exactly in that? How do you know that that's true? So we see that even the, the mitzvahs that are not exactly about this, we still are related in the second Yom Tif as well, because you see you have to eat it on matzahs and Reirim. So, you might have thought even the mitzvahs that are not relevant to the actual eating of the matzah. In other words, the law of getting rid of the chametz from anywhere in your house at the time of eating. The Torah then tells us that you're not allowed to break a bone. What we're learning over here is something called a klal klal. The Torah tells us that it has to be exactly the same as all the other mitzvahs. But then the Torah singles out a specific mitzvah. Why does the Torah single out a specific mitzvah? If the Torah tells us it has to be the same as all the other mitzvahs, that should be sufficient. Same as all other mitzvahs. That's what it means. When the Torah says, and then in this prat, in this specific, it has to be the same. In this detail, it has to be the same. What the Torah is teaching is that only in this detail and things which are similar does it have to be the same second Pesach and first Pesach. Just like the breaking of a bone is very specific, a mitzvah, a commandment that is related to the, uh, the, um, the inherent of the, uh, the actual, um, the guf, the body of the mitzvah. So too, any other mitzvah that's related to the body is relevant to the second yom as well. Isi ben Yehuda Eimer. It says, you shall do it. In other words, do the mitzvah of Karman Pesach the same way the second Yom as the first. But the mitzvah of Karman Pesach, not the tangential mitzvahs that are connected to Karman Pesach, i.e. the other mitzvahs that are not exactly related that you do not need to do in the second Pesach. Amar Mar, 
You might have thought to say, even a mitzvah that's not on its guf. In other words, the only thing you have to do in the second Pesach is shake the animal, sprinkle the blood, and eat the carbon, roast it. But you don't have to eat it with matzah samar. Therefore, it says that the mitzvahs that are related to its guf, not just the, the um, not just only in its guf. Okay, this is what it means to say. Now that it says that on matzahs and mara, you need to eat the carbon Pesach. So then the fact that it, it says you eat it with matzahs and mara, but if it says eat it with matzahs and mara, then when it says make the carbon Pesach the same way, it can't be specific. Because if it was specific, then it wouldn't be necessary to eat it with matzahs and mara. Maybe it should be a category of a prat, a specification, followed by a generic whole. And when you have a specification followed by the generic whole, then what we say is that the whole is coming to add onto the prop, onto the specific detail. And it really has to be the same for all mitzvahs, everything related completely. Not like that. What does Isi Ben Yehuda do with the fact that it says that it, this bone cannot be broken? It's coming to teach you both a bone that has marrow within it and a bone that's not a marrow within it cannot be broken. But what, according to Achamim, what did they do with the fact that it says, like all of the laws of Pesach, you shall do it and not the other things. What do they do with that? They need it to teach you. This teaches you that you cannot shech the carbon Pesach. There's only one person who needs to eat it. If, if the, the second Pesach Sheni, you should shech it only for a group of people. Like all of the laws of Pesach, you shall do it. Baisa also says the same way the first one, you are forbidden to have any chamas anywhere in your house, so to the second one. Um, it tells you that on matzus and mar you need to eat it. That only teaches you positive commandments. How do you know that even the negative commandments are also pertinent in the second Pesach? It says you're not allowed to leave it over until the morning, even in the second Pesach. This tells you that both the mitzvahs asay and the mitzvahs leisasay are both relevant to the second Pesach the same way to the first Pesach, as long as they are specifically connected to the eating of the carbon. We see from here only a mitzvah say a negative commandment for which it is possible to rectify it by dint of a positive commandment. In other words, do not leave over until the morning, but if you do, you have to burn it. So maybe the only things that are also relevant when there are negative commandments in the second Pesach is, is a losase, a, a prohibitory commandment for which you can actually fix by doing a positive commandment in the future. A regular negative commandment that does not have an ability to fix it, how do you know that that also um, is included? Therefore, it says, you're not allowed to break a bone. And when you break a bone, there's no way to fix it. There's no going back. And it's just a prohibition without any way to fix it. And still, it is forbidden. Just like the prat, just like the specific cases, just like when it comes to the details, we say, you have to do the mitzvah, the positive and you have to do the negative commandments that have ability to fix, and you have to do the negative commandments that don't have the ability to fix. So to all mitzvahs assay and mitzvahs lois assay that are able to, to uh, fix later on by doing an assay, and even a los assay gamur, those are all going to be pertinent both to these to the second karma Pesach as well. When we say matzahs and 
then what are we coming to include? We already said you have to eat it with matzah samara. What are we coming to include by saying sliesh? Also, with its um, roasted over fire. The prata, when it comes to the specifics, what are we excluding and saying that you only need to do some specifics, but not all of them? Getting rid of the chametz. Which be the opposite, right? You have a klal, you have a generic thing teaching you other laws are included, and you have a specific teaching you other laws are excluded. How do you determine which ones are excluded and they're not necessary for the second Pesach? Which ones are included and are still necessary for the next Pesach? Mitzvah de Gufei Adif. So the mitzvah that is related to the inherent part of the process, that is more important and more chashib when distinguished in this, in this process. In the, in the generic law that you should not leave over until the morning, what's it coming to exclude? Uh, include? You're not supposed to bring it out to, um, you're not supposed to bring it out to, um, you're not supposed to bring it out, right? In the specifics, what are we coming to exclude from the specifics? When we say that you shouldn't leave it over until the morning. That you don't have to worry about leaving it in your house or even seeing it in your house. That you don't have to worry about the second Pesach. It should be the opposite. The thing which is in, in, related to the actual mitzvah is other is more important. In the in the uh, generic, it's teaching you that the bones you're not allowed to break. My kamarba, what's it coming to include? Then it says, that you're not allowed to break the bones. Do not eat from it when it is only halfway roasted. When it says the specific law, what's it coming to exclude? Do not shak the carbon pesach when you still have blood in the... Um, do not shak the carbon pesach in the blood of the carbon pesach when you still have the um, the chametz uh, in your house. Switch it around. Once again, mitzvah de gufe adif. We would rather include something, a mitzvah that is pertaining to the actual bringing of the carbon pesach. That's what we would rather include than to exclude. According to Mishnah, that the first carbon pesach you're going to need say halal even during the eating and not just in the bringing of the carbon. But in the second carbon pesach, you don't say halal in the bringing of the carbon. How do we know this? The shear, the song will be for you. This is including the night that is a special night, special set aside for Chag. The night that is set is sanctified for a, a, a Yom Tif. That's the night that you are necessary to sing special songs of praise. A night that is not a actual Yom Tif. In other words, it doesn't have all the rest of the laws of Yom Tif. Therefore, it's not necessary to say Halal. So Yom Tif Sheni, right? Not Yom Tif Sheni, but Pesach Sheni, that there's no mitzvah of keeping all the other laws of Yom Tif. Therefore, it is okay not to say halal. But Yom Tif Rishon, where you have all of these different laws, and it is a regular Yom Tif in all of its, all of its laws, you're, not allowed to, you're only allowed to cook for Echel Nefesh, you're not allowed to do Malacha unless it's necessary. So that, you need to say halal. But the second one, where you don't have those laws, you don't need to say halal. Zevazayatun and Halabatiyasun, but both of them require halal at the time of the meeting of the government Pesach. My time, what's the reason? One reason is given is Laila Ka Mimayat. Pasuk is coming to exclude the night. But not the day. Another reason given. Is it possible that B'nai Yisrael could be shakling a carbon Pesach and bring in their lulav and not say halal? Fascinating answer. I think there's not really answering the question. Right? We're asked, why do you say halal? Well, is it possible that you can do this and not say halal? 
<laughs> he didn't really answer the question. He just repeated it in different words. Right? What the Gemara is trying to tell you is the purpose of saying Hallel is to express your appreciation for a miraculous occurrence when God stepped out of his normal reality and being removed from the world and took something completely different. Right? We remember what happened on Pesach. We remember the fact that Shem took us out of Egypt. We remember on Sukkot by taking our lulav, what we are remembering is the entire miraculous existence in the desert. Of course, you should be overwhelmed with spontaneous outpouring of joy and an emotional rendition of halal, right? How could you not? And you roast it, um, you eat it unroasted. Shabbos in Tumotloi. It only pushes off Shabbos when it comes to the roasting, but it does not push off for Tumot. In other words, if the majority of the people who are supposed to bring the second Pesach, by right, Pesach Sheni, for whatever reason, they're actually Tumot again, then you don't bring the carbon. The laws of ritual impurity. If the majority of people are ritually impure, you cannot bring the term Pesach. It even pushes off the laws of Tumah. So if the majority of Kali Israel are Tumah, when it comes to Pesach Sheni, we also push off the laws of Tumah, and we are allowed to bring the term Pesach even in a state of Tumah. My time in Tanakama, what's the reason for the first Tana who says that you don't push up the laws of Tumma, you only push up the laws of Shabbos? Right? I pushed off the first one because of Tumma, right? Then the second one is going to bring you in a state of Tumma. That doesn't make any sense. If even the first one he wasn't allowed to bring when he's Tumma, and the first one's more ideal, well, then the second one he should be able to bring when he's Tumma, that boggles the mind. It doesn't make sense. Rabbi Yehuda, the Torah was trying to figure out a way that he could bring the current Pesach in a state of Torah. If he has not been merit, then he ought to bring in a state of Torah. And it is what it is. So he gave him another opportunity. But if he does not have any other opportunities, then he has to bring it even when he's coming. At least if the majority of people are coming. We learned in Bryce. First Pesach pushes off Shabbos for the cooking and shakhtin, if necessary. And second Pesach also pushes off Shabbos. First Pesach pushes off the Tumah, majority of people are Tameh, then they are allowed to bring it. Pesach Rishon requires that the night after you bring the carbon, you have to remain the rest of the night in Yerushalayim because you have to stay there overnight to, to really assimilate and inculcate the messages of eating the carbon Pesach. But if you start traveling right away, you're done. It's not going to have time to really set in. Pesach Sheni Ta'onlina. Second Pesach also requires that you stay in Yerushalayim overnight. And it pushes off um, Tumah, the second Pesach, like we just said, like Rebbe position. One second, Rebbe Yehuda does not require, Lina does not require staying there overnight. But Tanya, we learned in Rebbe Yehuda, 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 that which you eat for six days, then you have to stay there overnight. But if it's not going to be required to be eaten for six days, you do not need to stay there overnight. In other words, Abihuda says, why does it require Lina staying in, Pesach, staying in Yerushalayim overnight when you bring the carbon Pesach? Because a yamta for which you are going to be required to eat something associated with it for six days, you need to stay in Yerushalayim at least one full night afterwards, right? But the yomta that's not going to be a six-day association because it's only that one night and then you're done, then you do not require uh, resting in Yerushalayim that night. So one price one seems to be going to Rabbi Yehuda saying that it is necessary to stay in Yerushalayim overnight when you ate the Karma Pesach that morning, even if it's the second Pesach. And the second one says not. 
Gemara says it's two different opinions of Tanayim, and each one is quoting as he remembers Rabbi Yehuda, but one of them is clearly New Mishnah. Pesach Shabbat Tuma, you have a current Pesach that came in a state of Tuma. You're not allowed to eat from it. Zavin, the Zavos, Nidos, the Yaldos. Even people who themselves are Tame, they cannot eat from it if the carbon was brought in Tuma. Carbon was brought in a state of Tuma. A Zavin, a Zava, a female, a male, Zav. Uh, Nida, someone who's in uh, menstruating, the eldest, the, a, a woman who's given birth recently, but if they do eat it, they are exempt from kares because the only the only high of kares for eating food that is kachim when you yourself are tar. I'm sorry, when you yourself are tame. But this is not real kachim because this already became tame previously. Rebeleazar says that even if you went into the base of mikdash in this space, in this, in this state, to eat this meat that was really um, tame, you're still exempt from kares. First, Tana says you're you're going to be liable to Karis for going to this. Amikdash is not liable to Karis for eating. Tana, but we learned in Vaisa. Zavin v'zavis nidos v'yaldis. Sha'achlu, these different people who became Tameh. And the Sha'achlu v'pesach shabbat Tameh. The Yidikam v'pesach that was brought in a state of ritual impurity. Yachlu v'chayabin. I would think to say that they're going to be liable. Tamal Lema, the Yidikam v'pesach says, kol tahar yachel v'asr. Anybody who's tahar can eat the meat of um uh, of a of, 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 uh, carbon, right? V'anefesh ha'shotechah v'asr. And a soul that eats the meat from a carbon, a peace offering that was brought to Hashem, the two Masai love, and he is currently ritually impure. And then he, he will get kares. So something that is supposed to be eaten by Tahirim, he's going to be liable on it because of someone who is Tame. But something which cannot be eaten by Tahir people, then if somebody who is Tame eats it, it's not going to be liable. Because since this carbon cannot be eaten by people who are tar, right? It's not going to satisfy their mitzvah. Then when these people eat it, they're not supposed to eat it, but they're not going to be high carbs. Let's say Zavin, they push their way in, they're not supposed to. And they come in to the base of Mikdash in a time when all carbonists are being brought, the carbon Pesach is being brought because people are tame. However, they are not allowed to eat the carbon Pesach. Only people who are tame mace, right? Or tame sherets are allowed to eat the carbon Pesach, but not people who are tame other tumas. You might have thought they're Chayyav You should send out from the camp, right? Every person who is a Matsaira, everybody who has a the, the Zav, and anybody who is Tame Mace. And therefore, at a time when people are Tame Mace or Tame due to touching dead bodies or overhanging dead bodies, then they get sent out of the Beis HaMikdash. Zav and Matsaira then so too is Zav and Amitzayra need to be sent out. And if they push their way in, they're going to be Chayakaris. In this specific instance, people who are Tami Mesa are not going to be sent out because they're allowed to eat the carbon Pesach because the majority of Kali is Tami Mesa. Then so too, people who are Zavin and Amitzayra also are not sent out. Let's say people who are Tami Mesa, they push their way in. And they push their way into the actual Heichal. The Heichal is the inner part of the Beis HaMikdash, in which even though you're allowed to go in the Beis HaMikdash, people who are Tameh are not allowed to go into the inner part. It's a specific exemption that they're going to be allowed to go into the outer part when their carbon Pesach is being brought, when they everybody is Tameh. But they're certainly not allowed to go into the Heichal itself. Ma, what's Halacha? Be the Ishtri Tumas Azara, since they're allowed to go into the main courtyard and not the inner courtyard, maybe Ishtri Nami Tumas Heichal, maybe even it's permitted, or maybe not permitted, but maybe they're not going to be Chayev for going into the inner courtyard. Or do we say, my history, history, what was permitted is permitted, and that's necessary. My delay history, delay history, what was not permitted is not going to become permitted. It was necessary. Amar Rav, Amar Rav, Rav says, it says in the Pasuk, they sent out from the camp. Even from part of the Machana. Ekadami, another version. Amar Rav, 
Amar Krav, Yashachum and Amachanet. Doesn't the Pasi send out from the encampment? Only Chutzla Machanet to Shachum. Send them out from completely outside the Machanet. Kolecha de Karinan Bay, anywhere where you can read about it, El Michutzla Machanet to Shachum, that sending them outside of the camp, right? Then the Machanet is, you should send them out. Karinan Bay, then you read about it by Yashachum and Amachanet, send them out of the encampment. Over here, where he's not going to be sent out of the entire camp, this is allowed to be in the Azara, in the outside courtyard, and he's not even liable for going into the inner courtyard. By Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef asks the next question. Let's say people are tummy mace, they're tummy because they touch the dead person and they push their way in when they're not supposed to push their way in. And they eat the amure, the special fast that are typically burnt on the Mizbeach, and they ate them even though they came in a state of tumma, but they ate them and even though they're supposed to be burnt on the Mizbeach. What's the halacha? Turning the page now. And the fact that it, since most people are tame and they'd be allowed to eat from the meat of the carbon pesach, maybe they're also allowed to eat even the impure, the impure fats that typically would get burnt. Or do we say my history, my delay history, lay history? Or do we say that which was permitted? In other words, the meat of the carbon pesach that was brought when cholesterol is in a state of tumma, that's permitted for tame people, but not the imurim, not the fats that's supposed to be put on the back. Amarav Rav says, Mechli, come and see. Tumma say imurim mehechas rabi. How do you know that when you eat tuma, when you eat a murim and you are tame, that you're going to be uh, you're going to be punished for doing so? Maybe it's only a problem when you eat basar. That's when you eat the meat when you're a tame. Be tumas basar. We learn now from tumas basar. It says in the Torah, Asher la Hashem. It says that that which is the Hashem. The rabbis say same murim to include that not just if you eat the meat when you're in a state of tuma, but even if you eat the fats when you're in a state of tuma, it's, it's forbidden. Anytime the meat is forbidden, then you also have a problem of eating the fats the when they are tummy. Anytime where there is no prohibition of eating meat that is tummy, then there's no prohibition of eating the tummy of a And that's the answer for now.